Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Queer to Air. My name is Brian, and I use he/him pronouns. And Queer to Air is a podcast uh, done by young LGBTI people for young LGBTIQ plus people. And today we're going to be talking to Transfolk of WA, which is a great resource that Perth has for uh, anyone um, of any age who consider themselves trans or gender diverse. And we're also going to be talking to a volunteer who volunteers at Transfolk of WA um, about their journey with identifying as non-binary. This podcast is no different from the others, so we will be talking about mental health, and we're actually going to be talking about one of the services that Transfolk of WA provides, which is aimed at people who are having thoughts of suicide and self-harm. So please bear that in mind when you are considering if this is the right time to listen to this podcast. And as always, uh, if you are in crisis right now or you want to reach out for help, there are a number of services that are available to you that you can access. If you want to call Lifeline, the number is 13 11 14. You can also access them on lifeline.org.au for information on their services. The Kids Helpline is available. It's 1-800-55-1800. Suicide Callback Service is 1-300-65-94-67. And the website is suicidecallbackservice.org.au. Headspace's website is headspace.org.au. If you jump onto that, you'll be able to find the number for the one closest to you. And they also have eheadspace.org.au. If calling seems a little bit scary, you can jump on there and get some online counseling. QLife is a phone counseling service specifically for LGBTI people. You can access them on 1-800-184-527. They're available 3 p.m. to midnight in your state. And they also have online counseling similar to Headspace. And then there's us, Freedom Center. Uh, not a crisis line, but you can call us on 9228-0354 if you want to try and figure out where to go for help. You can email us on info at freedom.org.au and our website is freedom.org.au if you want to find all our opening times so you can come in and get that information in person. All of the information plays after the outro music in the middle and you can find it in the description for the podcast. Joining me today are two lovely people who are involved in an incredible organization in Perth that we are very lucky to have called Transfolk of WA. So I will let both of them introduce themselves. So I'm Emery and I use he, him pronouns. And I'm Kelsey and I use they, them pronouns. How are you both? Yeah, good. Yeah, thanks good. for having me. Excited. Yeah, <laughs> yeah uh, I'm stoked to have you both here um, and to talk about Transfolk of WA because I really mean it. Like there, there aren't a lot of organisations like this around the world, um, and it's from what I understand, it's completely volunteer run. Um, and I just think it's we, it's just such an incredible resource for Perth and WA to have. So, Emery, why don't you start us off by telling about uh, how long Transfolk of WA has been around for, and like, and kind of like what's its what's its origin story? Yeah, sure. So uh, back in 2012, it started off as trans men of WA, um, and Nick, our founder, run that. He wanted to find a group of friends, um, other trans guys to hang out with. And from there, it's like grown and gotten bigger and bigger until it wasn't just trans men, it was trans women, non-binary people, parents, partners. Um, yeah, so now in 2018, it's the trans folk of WA, and we run monthly support groups and all that sort of stuff. It's the end of every month, yeah? Yeah, the third Sunday every month. Third Sunday of every yeah. month. And which support groups are there and what times are they? Yeah, so um, we start off the day with the junior session um, and we often do like arts and crafts with the young people and the parents actually meet in a separate room and have an information sort of session. Um, just recently we had inclusive education come in and talk to them 
Um, and then after that, we go into our social space, which is for 18 plus, and that runs all afternoon. Um, and whilst that's going on, we have separate gendered support groups. Like we have a trans women group, non-binary folk group and a trans men group. And they can go off and um, chat to our facilitators about like um, hormone related stuff or just any questions they have. Um, but then they can come back into the social space and hang out and play some games or just chat. Yeah, cool. Yeah. And am I right in like assuming that it's it's similar to Freedom Center? Like if someone wants the support and if someone wants to have a chat about something that's serious that's going on, there are people and peers there that have similar experiences. But if people just want to like come to meet other people and hang out, then that's also that's also yeah, cool. Yeah, totally. Yeah. 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 What's the youngest person that comes to um, WA? People tend to pop in and out a bit, but we've probably had like a five six-year-old come along Mm -hmm. um and then like our junior session we'll have like a couple of young people then we might have some like eight nine ten year olds that's predominantly what comes along but often we have um young people that are like 15 16 and they'll come hang out get some information i think predominantly number one we're like a support service and Mm -hmm. it's for people to link in and get information about like how they can access services but also just um, coming along and meeting peers. We get a lot of people that are that might have transitioned but have never met another trans person. And mm-hmm. so they'll come along and be like, wow, there's like there's more of us and like we've got similarities and just like can talk about what their experience has been. Yeah. Can someone come if they are just questioning their gender and don't necessarily identify as trans yet? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, they can come along and like we find it's really useful for people to come along to the session um, and talk to our facilitators about um, what's going on for them and like often they'll have a lot of questions um, and that can be really beneficial. I don't think there's any point to um, not allowing those people to come in and like ask those really important questions they have. Mm-hmm. And it's all free? Yeah, definitely. All free. And we have food. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the most important part. Yeah. <laughs> Always the draw card. Yeah. If, if someone wanted to come but they're afraid of coming on their first time, like what would someone's first time look like coming to Transfoca WA? Yeah, so the first time, um, it's a pretty informal setup. Like, we do have like a sign-in sheet, and that's just for like um, grabbing numbers and like mm-hmm. um, knowing who's coming along. But then it's um, like a big. It's just in leadable, and it's a big uh, open room. There's like a kitchen on one side, couches on the other, um, and you can like sit down on the couches, chat with people. We often have like crafts at a table. People love the Lego. People might bring some clothes to like. Um, give away to other people. It's sort of like a op shop type scenario. So we'll have people looking through clothes or eating food. Um, It's really informal. People can come along and just like sit back on a couch and not really um, participate too much in anything that's going on. Or they can come in and be like really keen and um, yeah, chat to chat to other people there. Can I ask a question? Of course. I was wondering, Emery, what you think the differences between Freedom Centre and the the sessions that Transfolk runs? Yeah. So um, it's our main like social support and um, the main support groups are for trans and gender diverse people rather than um, the whole LGBTI spectrum. Um, and that it's really age diverse, like there isn't an age cutoff bracket. What responsibilities yeah. do you, uh, like what responsibilities do you put on the people who visit? So like at Freedom Centre, we are like drug and alcohol free zone, no pickup zone. Do you have anything similar like that that you run through with people when they uh, start coming? Um, we don't have like a, form sort of scenario where people come in and do that Mm -hmm. um we do just have like sort of values that we run in the groups um and if something like that came up then we just like chat to them about what's going on but we don't sort of sit down and run through like a series of rules or anything like that it's more of just like a um be friendly be polite and 
Fuck yeah. Uh, Transfolk of WA is also involved in another project right now, or you're running another project called Discharge. So do you want to tell us a little about that? A little bit about that? Yeah, so um, Discharged is a really important program that um, I've set up and Kelsey helps co-facilitate. So I'm sure you know earlier this year the Trans Pathways, or late last year, Trans Pathways um, statistics came out, and that's like 48% of trans or gender diverse young people um, attempt suicide. And so... Like Transfocus WA runs support groups um, for trans and gender diverse people, but um, we don't have a specific group that like addresses this huge need in the community. Like it's a big problem if yeah. half of our population is attempting suicide, not even like considering it. Um, so I saw this um, training opportunity come up called Alternatives to Suicide, um, and that's like learning how to facilitate a group that specifically deals with. Um, suicidal thoughts or actions. Um, so, yeah, I decided to get Transfolk involved in that and um, I went along to the training and recruited Kelsey to come and help because we need co-facilitators. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it was really amazing. Um, yeah, did you want to talk a bit? Yeah, the training um, actually really revolutionised the way I looked at suicide prevention because um, I think there's, like, there's quite often this idea that we need to absolutely stop like suicide in its tracks but um discharge is a little bit more about like sitting with people in their pain um and connecting with them and building a community um and I think that was just that was something that really like changed the way I looked at suicide it's like actually isolation is like one of the biggest predictors and we really need to be like getting to people where they are rather than you know forcefully trying to stop them from like suiciding and stuff like that um, um i think there's also research happening at the moment because this has come out of the us um so i think there's also research happening over there but it would be great to have some research actually come out of wa for it yeah yeah, yeah. and i think it's just it's so nice when we're in the groups um and people are actually like sharing their experiences and connecting in that that shared space of of pain and struggle and stuff like mm. that's yeah so so what do the groups actually look like the same kind of thing as trans folk where people just like rock up and it's really just informal hanging out talking about stuff or is it a different format um it's a little bit different so it runs for 90 minutes and it's more of like a try and arrive on time if you can yeah um so usually it's twice a month on a sunday afternoon and so like the start time is three and so we encourage people to sort of be there just before three on three um, and we sort of sit down just like on the couch area, same um, room that we run the support groups in. We sit down on the couches and we've got um, tea and coffee. Um, we just sort of like chat about what's going on. So it is a little bit more of like a formalised informal support group. So it's not a drop-in space, um, but we do run for the full 90 minutes and um, but if people need to step out, they can, of course. But um, yeah, it's more of like sitting, sitting in like um, really holding those big emotions that we're having. Um, and Kelsey brought up isolation and that's definitely um, something that this group is helping to address. The people that come along are often talking about how they're isolated or like um, that was something that's been like big for me in the past is like when you're feeling suicidal, often you can like really isolate yourself and think, no one else understands your struggle and so people come along to the group and they might share that they've been really isolated and someone else is like yeah like similar experience and that's really powerful Mm. sharing that connection yeah sounds like fantastic work everyone (laughs) thanks Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) okay time for the time out from the podcast 
if you need help and you want to reach out, there are a number of services that are available to you. Uh, Lifeline is available on 13, 11, 14, and they're open 24-7. And the website is lifeline.org.au. Kids Helpline is 1-800-55-1800. QLife is great. It's 1-800-184-527, or you can access them on qlife.org.au, and they have that great online counseling service that's available just in case calling is seems a little bit intimidating. And for the services that are available to you, if you want more, uh, just keep in mind that this played at the beginning of the podcast, and you can also find it at the end of the podcast. All right, now for the second half of the episode. Kelsey, I want to hear about your story. We've had a chat off off the air to make sure that you're comfortable with talking about all this sort of stuff. Um, but I feel like even though we've had gender non-binary people on the podcast before, no one's really shared their experience yet um, of like how they came to feel like that was the identity that they wanted to affirm in their everyday life and kind of what that experience was. So would you be happy to share your story and tell us a little bit about how you got to that conclusion. Do you want me to start at the start? Oh, good, yeah. Well, what's your origin story, Kelsey? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, well, I guess there's always been sort of signs in my life that I was not the gender I was assigned at birth, um, but it was very much within my family that, you know, um, you know, I'd grow out of it sort of thing. When I first came out to my mum, I remember she told me that it was uh, all my aunt's fault for, for buying me um, those toy trucks when I was a kid. She was like... Oh, she, my faith has done this to you, like that sort oh. of thing. Um, it wasn't a bad comment uh, or anything like that, but yeah, you know, I used to, I wanted to throw out all of my pink clothes and all of my skirts when I was younger. Um, how, how old? Oh, I couldn't tell you, but maybe between like nine and twelve. Okay. Yeah. So young. Yeah, yeah. Um, and my mum told me I wasn't allowed to do that. Obviously, like we're from a lower SES sort of. It, thing and my mum was like no you can't throw out any of your clothes we need them Mm. and my stepsister you know she made a big effort of talking about how you know she went through the same thing and um you know I'll grow out of it I'll get used to it you know performing femininity it'll just become something that I get used to um and it really never became a thing that I wanted to do um and it wasn't until I got to uni and I was actually doing research on gender for one of my assignments that I came across this site describing um uh, gender fluidity and I was like holy crap like there's mm. there's more to gender than just what I what I know. Um, and so did you originally did you originally come out as trans or did you just originally just like reject femininity or like what was that conversation when you were originally having it? Yeah. Um, well, mostly I was just really excited and shouted out to my mum that I'm like, I'm probably gender fluid. And she's like, oh, yep, that's your aunt's fault. Um, right, okay. Yeah, cool. but it w- it was definitely for me, like I still reject femininity quite quite heavily. Um, and I do ad- identify more with masculinity. Um, and yeah, I think that's just because of how much femininity was put onto me in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I realised that sort of I- identifying as gender fluid was not... Um, it was not really quite right because I definitely didn't identify with like being a girl or being a guy in any way. So I was like, I don't think I have a gender then. And I was like kind of going through that and exploring more like queerness and stuff like that. And it wasn't until um, I came across the term non-binary that I was like, oh, that that's me. I don't identify with a binary gender. I don't really identify with a gender spectrum at all. I'm just I don't do that. I'm non-binary. And yeah, that's how I sort of came to terms with it. And so um, you use they, them pronouns. Is yep. this something that you affirm in every aspect of your life? They, them pronouns are so hard. Um, I'm not going to lie about that to anyone. Um, 
when you when you tell people a lot of the time they can they that might even straight up say to you like oh I'm not going to be good at doing that I can't do that um and so it really becomes it really became for me sort of a choice of whether I wanted to deal with that in different situations. Mm -hmm. And so there might be places in my life where I know I'm going to have to deal with that and I don't want to deal with that. Um, so, or, you know, I don't want to have to deal with explaining myself and my gender to people. So there are places um, that I will just not come out and just let people assume that I'm a woman. Um, yeah, and that can be, like, that can be quite hard, especially, like, after I came out, I sort of realised that, I noticed more when people were um, misgendering me and that can be a lot harder for other people. I, I don't necessarily find that the most difficult part of being non-binary. Yeah, so I find it quite easy to not be out in spaces, but I know that can be quite hard. Um, and it can be quite hard as well for um, like people who don't have the opportunity to access spaces that are accepting of their, of their pronouns, of their identity, and are just going to be respectful towards them um, and use their correct pronouns mm. and stuff like that. Um, so it's really, it was really important for me to have sort of that, that queer space where I could just be myself and be respected, you know, with my friends. Yeah, that's definitely really helped me. Mm. What does gender non-binary, and I'm using air quotes, but you can't see them, <laughs> look like? Okay, um, absolutely nothing. There's definitely this myth that um, non-binary looks like um, slim, white, androgynous person usually mm. I like identified female at birth, like really like if we're being honest. And that is not what non-binary looks like. Non-binary looks like so many different things. You know, non-binary people can have beards. Non-binary people can wear dresses. Like non-binary is just when you don't identify with um, a gender identity that is part of the gender binary. Um, and so you can, you can really be anything that you want to be. You can wear whatever you want, be whoever you want to be and still be non-binary like... If anyone's trying to gatekeep non-binary, that's just not the way that non-binary is. It, it's really anything that you want it to be. So, I mean, this is a follow-up question that I, I feel like you've already answered. But if someone was to say to you, I'm not sure if I'm non-binary enough to call myself non-binary, which is a legitimate question Definitely. Um, that we've had in the past, what would you say? Slash, what did you say? <laughs> <laughs> um that's really tricky. It's definitely a feeling that I still experience. Um, I'll just be thinking in my head, you know what, maybe I am a woman. And then uh, like, I just like, in like internally like, recoil from that. So it's such a gross mm. idea to me to be, to be a woman. I am like, I am non-binary and it doesn't, to be non-binary enough, oh, it's just not a thing. Yeah. Like what, what do you say to that? I think I would probably really encourage someone to to understanding that non-binary is not um is not a thing that you need to look like it's just a feeling about who you are um yeah and so there's not there's not non-binary enough all non-binary mm -hmm. identities are valid yeah we've talked about on the podcast about how kind of uh the identity that you're using right now and the rejection of it by other people saying like it's just a phase and we've talked about how like even if it's not something that's locked in for the rest of your life um that doesn't necessarily invalidate how you're feeling right now and i know that you've told me a story about a psychologist um and how like they basically explained that to you right yeah yeah one of the biggest things i was scared of um with f like fully identifying as non-binary was that one day i'd be like actually i'm not non-binary um and i was like i just absolutely can't identify with as non-binary if that's what my future might look like mm. and my psychologist was just like why <laughs> like what does that matter um it doesn't matter at all you know you have every right to to identify 
um, as non-binary for a period of time. And if, if you find out you're actually not non-binary, there's absolutely nothing wrong with then being like, actually, I'm cis, you know? Um, and for me, that was really freeing. It was, it was, it was really freeing moment when I was just like, oh, there's actually nothing wrong with like just identifying one way for a period of time. And then mm. if it doesn't feel right anymore, identifying another way. Um, yeah, again, we shouldn't be gatekeeping people's identities. Yeah. One of the young people on this podcast just in my mind portrayed it so perfectly of like if someone comes out to you as something and you are supportive of that then that's great and then if later on they come out as something um, else or they identify in another way and you're supportive of that that's great and all you've done is just made sure that you're supportive at every single step of the way absolutely <laughs> yeah. absolutely that that's that's really important yeah, really I just think important. it's I just think it's like such a strong message of like if you're always supportive, then you're always supportive. <laughs> yeah, and a lot of people they'll sort of use that oh you know I'm a big purple dinosaur sort of thing. I identify as an Apache helicopter, and it's like oh, okay, great. Well, I'm going to respect your identity. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and like this is open to anyone. How does gender diversity intersect with sexuality? Mm. Big question. Yeah. Um. So, for example, can you be someone who is gender non-binary and also identify as a lesbian? Yeah, uh, I think you absolutely can. Um, again, gatekeeping, shouldn't do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think a lot of the time when people um, have a diverse sexuality, so, you know, they're gay or they're lesbian, um, it can be that they've identified with that for a long period of time um, and they really feel quite an affinity with that and they're part of the community and stuff like that. So when they come out as non-binary, it's almost like they're losing a part of themselves. Um, and I personally haven't experienced this, but I don't think that you need to lose a part of yourself to identify as non-binary. Um, and we shouldn't be telling people that they need to be. There's there's absolutely nothing wrong with being um, gay and non-binary. There's nothing wrong with being a lesbian and non-binary. It's just not... It's not realistic to tell people they can't have a specific gender identity if they've got mm. a specific sexuality. People can identify whatever way they want. That's my song. <laughs> <laughs> um, I tried to make it the theme song for this podcast, but all the young people said no. Yeah, that's because um, you're a terrible singer, Brian. <laughs> oh, what? Wow. <laughs> I'm editing that out. Um, I'm going to not only edit that out, but I'm going to edit all your words together to make it sound like you're saying, Brian, you're such a good singer. <laughs> Um, so for any young people out there who are wanting to come out and are potentially in a really bad place, um, I thought it would be really good to talk about the value of coming out in terms of our mental health. So for both of you, like how has coming out affected your mental health? And it can be positive and negative. Do you want to take this Yeah, sure. Yeah, I'll go. Yeah. Um, so for me personally, um coming to terms with my um, trans identity was like a huge step for me and like if you're saying someone's in a really rough spot um, and like thinking about coming out for me that was it was really important to me personally to like accept myself and then to come out I moved into um, an area that was like like I moved into a house with queer housemates and then I felt like really able to explore my identity in there and my mental health has just like zoomed up tremendously since like 
accepting my identity and then like finding a space where I'm happy and like feel comfortable to come out. Yeah, queer um, space. Yeah, like queer space is so important and like queer households that's come yeah. up a lot in this podcast. It's such a mood, yeah. yeah. Yeah, like finding queer housemates and being able to you know like introduce your partners, get the pronouns that you want used for yourself, all that sort of stuff. Such a such an important thing for people. Mm. Yeah, and it's yeah, it's really important. At one at one point I was like telling my story about moving into um a house like moving away from my family and moving like out properly for the first time and I sort of like skimmed over the fact that I was looking for a house with queer housemates um but like definitely don't skim over that like it was actually a huge important step for me like if I just moved into a house where I didn't feel as safe to come out or didn't feel like I could just like explore and not be firm in my identity or like what I'm doing then like I think it would have had a negative effect like queer housemates are Mm -hmm. amazing yeah yeah cool Kelsey, come like coming out and and being who I am has definitely improved my mental health. I think, um, although like my gender was never a huge part of my like mental health struggles, um, but just having people that do respect like who I am that's really important to me. I've actually found that it can be a bit more difficult knowing and being out um, as non-binary. Um, in spaces where I've decided not to be out um, because it's so obvious then that something's wrong and there's always going to be that misalignment for me. And I think that's, I think that's something that I struggle with. Um, But honestly, like I wouldn't go back and not come Mm. out as non-binary. Like that's definitely that who I am, but I need to come back to that queer space afterwards. Yeah. Queer space all the way. If someone wants to get in touch with Transfolk of WA, Emery, how do they do that? Yeah, so the best way is probably sending us a Facebook message on our Transfolk of WA Facebook. Um, if you don't have Facebook, then we do have an email, and you can find that probably if you just Google Transfolk of WA. We have a website. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great. And if someone wants to volunteer with Transfolk of WA, is it the same process? Yeah, pretty much the same way, um, and we would encourage them to, like, um, if they're thinking about helping out with our support groups, to probably come along to one of our Sunday sessions, and then we can have a great chat with, like them with the facilitator, that sort of thing. All right. Thank you both for coming on to the podcast. I really appreciate all of the um, effort that you guys put into the work that you do um, and also uh, just being able to come here and be very open about the work that you do and the experiences that you have had. If you want to follow anything that we're doing for Queer to Air, you can subscribe to us on iTunes or SoundCloud. If you're talking about us online, it's hashtag Queer to Air. Um, As always, there is a link in the bio for uh, a survey. So if you found this podcast particularly informative, or it's helped you in any way or you want to give us any feedback if you just click the link in the bio um, that would be really great and helpful for us and as always after the outro music coming up um, there will be a pre-recorded message uh, from me I don't sing it Kelsey (laughs) Um, um, with all of the services that if you are in urgent need of help after this podcast or anything we've said distressed or triggered you um, you can contact any of them to get the help that you deserve All right, say goodbye everyone Bye. Bye. bye If this podcast has caused any distress or triggered you in any way, here are a list of services that are available to you. You can call Lifeline on 13 11 14 and they are open 24-7. You can also access lifeline.org.au for more information on their services. You can call Kids Helpline on 1-800-55-1800. You can call Suicide Callback Service on 1300 65 94 67. Also available 24-7 or you can visit suicidecallbackservice.org.au. 
Headspace numbers are going to change for each location, so you can jump onto headspace.org.au to find your nearest branch, or you can jump onto eheadspace.org.au to check out their online counselling option. QLife is 1-800-184-527. They're available 3pm to midnight in your state around Australia. You can also visit them on qlife.org.au and you can have an online chat similar to Headspace. Freedom Center's info is 92280354. Email us at info at freedom.org.au or you can visit freedom.org.au for other services that we provide. If you are listening to this and you are in crisis, I urge you to reach out for help and get the support that you need and definitely deserve.